Amen. Please be seated. We're going to dismiss our kids to go to Rise and Shine and I just invite you to pray with me as we bless them as they go. Holy Father, we thank you that you have made us all your children and that together we can worship you as a spiritual family and we ask that you would bless our kids as they go to hear more about your love for them at Rise and Shine and we ask that you would speak to us through your spirit in your word about how you have made us with a purpose and you've called us to not only be redeemed but to be a reflection of your son, Jesus, in the world. Speak to us through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you are visiting with us, a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better. You can help us do that. If you'd be willing to fill out a connect card in the seat back in front of you. And if you turn that in at the welcome center out in the lobby, or you can hand it to me or Greg or somebody you recognize from the platform, we have a small gift to give you as our way of saying thanks for coming out to church this morning. But most importantly, we just want to be able to meet you personally. Also, if you haven't had a chance to meet me or some of the staff and leadership team and you're newer to the church, uh, it's the fourth Sunday of the month, and so we're doing a coffee with the pastor uh, and some of the leadership over in the fireside room. It'll be across the lobby that way. You can make your way over there, and we'd love to have a chance to greet you and uh, share some coffee or whatever uh, floats your boat. Some donuts, some water, uh, nothing. (laughs) Good conversation. We'll be over there after the service is over. We are wrapping up our fourth Sunday of our series called Made, Discovering Who You're Meant to Be. And we've been learning how, uh, as, a, as a biblical understanding that God created us in love from the beginning, we recognize that God made you the way you are on purpose, if you can believe it. <laughs> God created you with value and with dignity, and he designed you to have a meaningful role in his world, and God handcrafted your life to be a reflection of himself. Psalm 139, 14 reminds us, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And even though sometimes we might not feel so wonderfully made and life isn't always what it's cracked up to be, uh, we know that, that God formed us in love for a purpose. And in spite of life's difficulties, we can go all the way back to Genesis 1, 27 that tells us that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And as we've been going through this series called Made, we've been talking about how understanding that we were created and designed on purpose by a God who loves us is about recovering the value of human life and dignity in a world that is continuing to devalue the, the very reason for why God made us. That every person, no matter how rich or how poor, no matter how short or how tall, no matter how black or how white, is fearfully and wonderfully made and has value in God's eyes. And that we were made in the image of God to have the capacity to reflect the heart and the character of God in our own relationships with one another. And as we say yes to Jesus, we discover that Christ comes in and through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the image of God, that capacity to be a reflection of God is restored in us. And we begin to experience the presence and the power of God working through our lives and our relationships. We become image bearers of Christ to a lost and a hurting world. Paul calls us ambassadors of reconciliation, healing relationships that restore the image of God and the dignity 
and value of every person. In this process, we've been talking about how at its heart, Christianity as a, as a faith, as a religion, isn't about fulfilling some religious set of rules in order to earn your way into heaven or to somehow please God. It, it, it's about learning to participate in the life-giving, reconciling relationships with others through the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. It's about restoring righteousness to a broken world. And we've talked about how this idea of righteousness, it's kind of a, a churchy word, right? But it's about being in right relationship with God and with one another and with creation. And when we are restored to our original manufacturer's design, we were created to be able to participate in bringing righteousness into the world, to put things in right relationship the way God intended. And last week we talked about how that happens through the power of God's spirit at work in our lives. We talked about how spiritual gifts are not su- supernatural superpowers that we possess and, and operate on our own. The gift is actually the gift of God's Spirit who comes and works in and through us doing more than we could do without Him. He comes and puts His super on our natural and amazing things happen because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. The gift, Paul told us, is the Spirit Himself. See, we were created in the image of God with this capacity to to be carriers of the Spirit of God in the world, which is what allows us to actually reflect the heart and the character of God. But the only way we can do that is to stay connected with God through His Holy Spirit. See, when we stay connected with God through his spirit, we come alive to God in a whole new way. Uh, Jesus said it's to be born again, it's it's to be awakened to the presence and the power of God's spirit in your life. And that's what empowers us then to live the kind of life that God had originally designed us to live in the very beginning. You see how it all works together? As we wrap up today, I want us to look at Galatians 5, where Paul begins to talk about that we are set free from the flesh, from our own sinful nature, from the brokenness of our lives when we experience new life in the power of God's Spirit. When I come alive to the Spirit, I realize that God not only wants me to be able to make a difference in the world, but God wants to change my heart and my mind so that I begin to see what really matters in my life. In verses 13 to 26, Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He goes on to say, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Does that sound like our culture at all? (laughs) I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You can't be too loving. You can't be too kind. You can't be too generous. You can't be too faithful. There's there's no way you can go wrong when you're living the life of the Holy Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, oh, I skipped a verse. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, Paul is, is laying out, and he uses these lists of, of examples of, of life in the flesh and life in the spirit to, to point out a, a very simple but profound reality that we have to wrestle with in our own lives every day. He's saying that life apart from God's spirit when we're not living under the control and the guidance of God's spirit in our lives, is in conflict with the life that is lived empowered by God's spirit. The two are opposed to each other, and we have to choose which kind of life we want to live. What we've been learning in this series, again, is that we were created in God's image to be a reflection of his divine essence and character, and being empowered by the Spirit is is the gift that he wants to give us, but that that ability was broken by sin. In, In the fall, we lost the ability to have that intimate, personal connection with God, and therefore Christ had to come and restore relationship, to reconcile us back to God, and as a result of his giving his life and forgiveness for our sins, we now have the ability to get back into that intimate relationship with God through his Holy Spirit, empowering our lives every day. See, the the gift that God has offered us through his son Jesus is the gift of himself. Through Christ, we're set set free from our fallen nature and life apart from God, which is really what this word flesh means. It's not just the body. The flesh, Paul uses as a term for life apart from God. It's the unspiritual life. It's the unregenerated life. It's life lived for myself and in my own power and in my own control. So flesh is contrary to the spirit because we know that in our own human nature, we're going to gravitate to things that aren't always the best for, for others and for ourselves, right? But with the power of the Spirit, we can begin to see what really matters in our lives and allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God to those things that make for health and wholeness and righteousness. The sinful nature yet continues to war within each of us every day and fights against the life that God wants us to live with His Spirit. Now, we know that we are forgiven and we are set free in Christ. That's the good news. That's why we come to celebrate on Sundays here at church. We celebrate that Jesus is alive and and there's nothing that we can do that's going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And yet God wants us to understand that that there's this war that rages in our hearts and in our minds where we resist the Spirit's influence and we resist the will of God by focusing more on what's important to us. See, God wants us to begin to be able to prioritize our lives based on what we were created, redeemed, and empowered to be and to become. When we have a vision of what God wants to use our life for, our our purpose for why he even created us, that becomes a motivator for us to submit ourselves to his will and his spirit in our lives. And Paul's telling the Galatians what we've been learning throughout this series, that the life of true freedom is a life that is invested in loving 
others well in the name of Jesus Christ as we participate in the work of God in the world. That's why he says in verse 14, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. I think he got this from Jesus, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul offers these two contrasting lists for us to consider. He calls one the acts or the the works of the flesh. And the other he calls the fruit of the spirit. Now we can say all of them in some fashion, and we're going to look through the list here in a minute again, but all of them in some fashion, whether for good or for bad, have some kind of impact on our relationship with God and with other people. See, see, all of these have a relational byproduct or outcome in our lives. All of them speak to either a, a breakdown of relationships with God, those things that destroy the righteousness of God in our lives, or those things that build up and restore and foster the righteousness of God in our lives. In verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. See how relational all these are? Dissensions, factions, envy. I mean, I've been in a lot of churches that that describes, (laughs) right? Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But now contrast that list with the list of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, for Paul, God's love is the priority. And when we are living in the power of his spirit, you're going to see a marked contrast to the kinds of lifestyles that people are living as they go about their lives in the world. The love of God for us is the love that changes us. And it's the love that we then offer to other people as we serve one another in Jesus' name. See, these examples are are enabled to help us to begin to see the outcome of a life lived in the Spirit or a life lived apart from the Spirit. So we can begin to see what really matters in our lives. Now, if you read through these two lists, you know, one list might sound more fun than the other. (laughs) But, But which do you think you would really choose? What kind of life would be a better life? I mean, to me, I, I, love and joy and peace, I mean, the, that would just be amazing. I mean, so much of our lives are spent in pursuit of happiness, right? Never really finding the golden ticket at the end of the rainbow. That's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? But we're always chasing that elusive happiness and contentment. And all the while, the Bible has been telling us that that life is available, but it's available through the presence and the power of God's Spirit in our lives. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can control. We're not going to earn it by by making enough money in our salaries. We're not going to find it in relationships with other people. It, It only comes through one place, and that's the presence of the Spirit of God that we were created and designed to be carriers of when God made us. And without the presence of the Spirit in our lives, we live our entire lives with an emptiness that can never be filled in any other way. Because it's the Spirit of God who awakens love in our hearts, 
it's not something that we can even claim on our own, right? Being able to love others generously and sacrificially and unconditionally is not the result of our personal discipline. It's a miracle that God works inside of us when we submit ourselves to his love and we give our lives to Jesus. See, it's God's love that's poured out into our hearts that then fills that emptiness and overflows in our lives to other people, so much so that we can't even claim credit for it. We say, praise God, because it's God doing the work in us and through us. When we choose to live in God's spirit, we're set free from the power of our sinful nature, from our our fleshly nature that doesn't want to pursue the things of God. And, and, And we begin to see that the life of the spirit is an invitation to discover the very reason and purpose for why God made us to begin with. But he, he also says that we have to understand that every day it's going to be a battle. Every day in your own heart, in your own mind, the, the enemy is going to come in and, and want to lie to you and tell you, hey, you know, you don't need to listen to God. You can, you can take some of the control back. You know you want this, right? And so we have to fight every day to choose to follow the Spirit in our lives. There's a battle between God's will and our own will. And what we see again today is that the Christian life ultimately is a life lived in the power of the Spirit. And it's a daily battle, and it's a daily commitment that we make to our God and to our Savior to follow Him. It's a life that is surrendered to the presence and the power of the Spirit in our lives. And we don't attain this through personal discipline or mustering the energy or the effort to accomplish it on our own. It's, it's a life of surrender. It's a life of self-surrender rather than self-effort, which is the polar opposite of any other religion on the face of the planet. It's the, Christianity is the only religion that says all you have to do is surrender. Every other religion says you have to do all of these things in order to earn it. And God says, no, I've already done it all. All you have to do is receive it. And when we say yes to Jesus and we say yes to the power of the Spirit in our lives, God comes in and does all the work for us. And we become a blessing to others by allowing him to do the work in our lives. That's why he describes the Spirit's work as fruit. Right? God comes in and plants the seeds of his word and his love in our lives, and, and it, it grows and it blossoms and it produces a harvest of righteousness. It produces fruit in our lives, not because of our own effort, but because we've allowed God to use us to be a blessing to others. It is the Spirit of God who produces these things in our lives as we surrender to his will and allow him to guide our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's not about trying harder. It's about resting in God's presence and allowing him to be the Lord of our lives. Yet, surrendering ourselves, I'd like to suggest, is probably the hardest thing that we have to do. Surrendering ourselves can be the hardest thing that we have to do. And we recognize that the daily challenge for each of us is to die to our selfish, fleshly nature that lives life apart from God so that we can come alive to the presence and the power of the Spirit that is here with us and walks with us every moment of every day. That's why Paul says in verses 24 and 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step 
with the Spirit. That's what discipleship to Jesus is all about. If you think about it, I think Paul stole this from Jesus too, right? Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross once and then you're all good and you never have to do it again. That's not what Jesus said, is it? Must take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, now we know these verses and we're familiar with them if we've been in church for a long time. But do we understand how critically important this is in the day in and day out mundane moments of our lives? In each moment, are we willing to surrender our will to God's will in the midst of a current situation? Think about it in terms of your marriage right? You get into an argument and you will both go to your corners and you're upset and you know that you're in the right. Are you in that moment willing to surrender your will to God's will and know that it's much more important that you learn how to reconcile the relationship than it is for you to be right? What about in your dating relationships with other guys or other gals? Are you willing to surrender your will for what you want in the relationship to whatever God's will in in terms of what righteous relationship looks like in dating or in your friendships and the people you hang out with and the kinds of behavior that they like to pursue on the weekends? Are you willing to submit your will to God's will in those moments? in your work and in your finances and with your employees and the people that you mentor and manage? Are you willing in those moments to surrender your will to God's will and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in those contexts and those relationships? Or or do you forget about the presence of the Spirit Monday through Saturday and then remember when you come to church on Sunday and go, oh yeah, I forgot about that in our recreation, in our free time, in every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to be aware of the Spirit's presence and to submit ourselves to His will so that we can discover the fruit of the Spirit in all of those spheres of our life. Now, the other side of that coin is that there's these issues that we all have, and I know I have them, and so I believe that you probably have them too. And those are the ones that aren't just in the moment, but those are the ones that are the recurring, ongoing areas of our life where we try and keep control, right? We don't want to give that part away. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you my marriage, God. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my Sunday mornings, God, but, but I'm going to keep my bank account, <laughs> Right? God, I, I'll take my family to church and, and, and we'll worship together. We'll even be in a small group, but, but, but you can't have my career, God. That, that's my area of life. What are those issues and those areas in, in your life and in my life where we have an ongoing recurring battle where God wants us to let go of control and to give those things over to him, and yet we struggle so hard to do it? Maybe this morning, God is inviting you again to to open your heart and your mind to the possibility that, that he actually can be trusted with that area of your life. If you say yes and, and you let the Holy Spirit in and you give over control, maybe he can make it even better than you ever thought or imagined. What do you need to surrender in your relationship with the Holy Spirit this morning? See, surrendering ourselves to the will and to the work of the Spirit is what Christianity is all about. 
It's the thing that opens the door to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's the gateway to discipleship to Jesus. Either you're following him or you aren't. And it's as simple as that. And I can tell you, I can confess there are many days when I am not following Jesus very well. But that's why there's grace and there's mercy. And God's word invites us to come to him again and again. Because every day with Jesus is a new day and a new opportunity to learn and to grow and to get back on track with the Spirit's leading in our lives. And when we say yes to Jesus, when we allow the Spirit to take control of those areas of our lives where we thought we could manage it well, but, but we've lost control or, 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 or we've walled it off from, from God in our lives, what we discover is that our hearts are, begin to be set free from, from the, the shame and the guilt and the fear of life and the brokenness of our lives begin to be healed and, and we begin to be able to offer that same kind of healing and wholeness to others in our lives. We're restored to the joy of the Spirit in our lives. And we begin to experience the very purpose for why God created us in His image. We begin to see what really matters. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made in the image of God and have been designed to have the capacity for relationship with a God who loves us. And as Christ restores that image in us, the essence and the character of God is restored to give us participation in life-giving relationships with those around us through the power of his spirit in our lives. God made you the way you are on purpose. He created you with value and with dignity. He designed you to have a meaningful role in this world, and he handcrafted you to be a reflection of himself. Since we live by the Spirit, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you pray with me? God, some of us this morning are... uh, running too fast and we're getting on ahead of you and we're not willing to wait for your will and your word in our lives. Others of us are uh, stuck in the mud and we're moving too slow and we're not willing to get on track. And, and so I, I pray, God, that this morning you would give us the courage to, to recognize where we need to get in step with your spirit today. Help us to have the courage to let go of those areas of control in our own lives and to allow you to begin to shape and change those areas so that we are moving into healthier places in our lives and in our relationships. And God, as we go through our lives this week, each day, whether it's at home with our families or at work with our coworkers or out there in the world, would you make us aware of the presence of your spirit and allow us to submit ourselves to your control in those moments so that we can see you moving and we can see the fruit of your spirit at work in our lives. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.